Hi, and welcome to Life and Inside Job, the podcast where we indulge our curiosity about what happens inside other people and how we can make our own inside lives nicer, place to, nicer places to be. Because we can never truly understand what it feels like to be inside somebody else, can we? I mean, I just find it so fascinating, which is probably why I do the work I do and definitely why I started this podcast, because I get to ask nosy questions of people and get closer to finding out what goes on inside other people's systems, inside their heads and bodies. And my second favourite topic of investigation is food. I'm a complete foodie and this conversation is win-win for me. I had a great time talking to Cassie Davis from her RV in Montana thanks to the magic of Zoom. And Cassie's a plant-based lifestyle coach and a recipe developer and the CEO of veginspire.com and she's written three fabulous cookbooks and her work is to help people successfully transition to a plant-based way of eating that supports a busy lifestyle without requiring loads of time in the kitchen or loads of stress. And we had a fabulous conversation. We spoke about positive language, about being a teenager and how to be a good role model for kids, how Cathy naturally moved towards a plant-based diet, the health benefits she found from eating whole foods, whole fresh foods, how Cathy changed the pain she experienced in her menstrual cycle, and plant-based foods to eat for hormone balance, how to get more protein into a plant-based diet, and all about soy and what kind of soy to eat, why broccoli will save the world, and a really, really bizarre thing to do with the turkey. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So... As a child, I was brought up, my dad always says, you need to tell people this. I was brought up um, on, on a meat-centered diet. He's an avid hunter, which obviously is completely different from somebody who now identifies as an ethical vegan. Uh, but I was brought up on, on you know, meat, standard, nor- normal foods, I always say, spaghetti with meat sauce you know, steak, pork chops, chicken. I grew up in Western New York. So Buffalo wings were very popular in our house. And I was always really taught, you know, that a balanced meal really followed what the FDA guidelines were, right? It was your meat, your starch, your veggies, your glass of milk, maybe some fruit. And while we had soda and chips and cookies and things like that in the house, those weren't really the center of what we ate, at least not what I'm remembering. I do remember my teenage years where I drank a lot of Mountain Dew and ate a lot of Doritos, but for the most part, I always felt fairly supported in whatever food choices I had. And as my life evolved and I grew up, I really started to struggle with, I would, I wouldn't say that I struggled with my weight, but my body image started to become more of this. I was always the, the base of the cheerleading mounts, right? When I was cheerleading, I was the, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was chunky, but I was thicker. So I was the base. I was not the flyer. I was not the, you know, skinny girl going up in the, in the tops of the of the pyramids or whatever. And I think that started to kind of, you know, 
make me more aware of the foods that I ate, but I never really changed anything until I got into living on my own. And that's when I really started to look at, you know, different food plans, joining different weight loss programs, joining different health coaching, different trainers, and really battling this, who am I and what is my relationship to food? Like I never felt like I had a bad relationship as a child, but as I grew up, I started to question what was healthy and what, what I was doing to my body with the foods that I ate, but I never really changed anything. I always just kept with the status quo because it was easier. It was convenient. Mm. Mm. That's so, so interesting to hear that it was when as a as a teen you kind of met the outside world that body image became a thing and I think it's very common for teenage girls I have a teenage girl so I I have I am a little bit of an expert on this topic here um that they're they're fine until they hit puberty and then the judgment start to flow in about body size. I think I don't have children, but I I'm thinking now the conversations are more readily available. You know, the clients that I work with, they have conversations with their daughters about, I'm, I'm hoping that it's about healthy choices and what food does to our body, not necessarily the imaging parts because it can be so detrimental to feel like you're, you know, watch what you eat, you know, don't eat that, you know, all those, all those, I want to say diet culture or body image. Like I'd rather hear, oh my gosh, we're going to have, we're going to always pair salad with our foods because it tastes good because it's colorful because of effect on our, on our well being, not necessarily on our physical body. And I think mm. we miss that a lot. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a it's a bit off topic, but there is a, a school of thought that says you should never say anything about your child's appearance, never never anything. You know, not you look nice for for, for girls or boys or gender fluid kids or whatever. Uh, never say you look lovely, you look lovely, darling, or why don't you try? Because everything is they absorb it like a sponge. That the they're approval comes through looking a particular way and I think a lot a lot of food related stuff gets kicked off there if 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 you've managed not to pass on one's own your own toxic behavior as a parent yay I know that's a miracle (laughs) (laughs) but then then there's a whole other level of the language with which we describe a child's body that is, yeah, anyway, we're talking about food, aren't we? But. but that's, but, and it is off topic, but it's, it's reality. And it's very, it's very hard to be self-aware about the things that we say so that we don't instill our beliefs or our own emotions towards food and our body in in people that we influence, even if it's not our children, just people in general. Yeah. Because people see what we do, not what we say. Unfortunately. Right. <laughs> right. How do we become that role model for food yeah. without 
without being like, oh, I eat salad so I can lose weight. Yeah, or, without being a pain in the ass and saying, well, you should you should be eating blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, well, yeah, right. <laughs> Pass the wine, mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you've told us about your hunting uh, background, well, your hunting family and lots of meat and spaghetti and milk. How did you move towards a plant-based diet? Well, interestingly enough, I always, I always say like, I ate like a toddler really, because I didn't eat a lot of vegetables. And now I, you know, I'm, my husband brought up the plant-based eating. He loves to cook, loved to cook. You know, this was about eight years ago. He loved to cook. We always had, I want to say like fancy meals, you know, things made from scratch, really rich, lots of butter, lots of cream. I'm thinking about Thanksgiving because it's close to that. And, and, you know, we're about a month away from Thanksgiving in America. And that was one of the last big meals that we ate that was not plant-based or not mostly plant-centered. And I think back to, I mean, we used to buy all of these non plant-based foods to go into our meals. Like I said, butters, creams, you know, locally raised meats. And we started to look at the health options, the health benefits of eating more plants. And originally that was just our motto. We're just, we're just going to eat more plants. We're not going to go vegan. We're not going to go plant-based. We're just going to eat more kale. We're just going to eat more vegetables. We're just going to try new things. We're going to make meals that have the plant as the center. Maybe it's roasted cauliflower, or maybe it's, you know, potatoes or a new whole grain, or we might add beets to something. And I was kind of scared. I mean, like I said, I was pretty much meat, potatoes, carrots, corn, green beans. Like there were no Brussels sprouts on my plate as a child. I was not eating farro or any of the ancient grains. And I was, as we started to explore these things, I would, I was thinking, oh my goodness, like quinoa, is it supposed to do that curly sprout thing? Like, what is it supposed to look like? Because I'd never eaten those things. And the more plant centered meals we ate, the more I realized that eating plant-based wasn't scary. It didn't feel as restrictive as I thought it would. But my mindset to it was, I'm just going to eat more plants. I'm never giving up meat, those buffalo wings, the blue cheese dressing, those, those foods that I really enjoyed until one day I decided that I would. And I tell people all the time, like my transition was an eight, eight month transition to eating plant-based, but the decision to adopt it fully was an in the moment decision. And what What happened in that moment? So I had been, I I'd been in my bridal shower. We'd been planning our wedding. And every time I met with the caterer, I was like, I'm a little more plant-based. Can we do egg-free noodles with our pasta bar? And can we do veggie balls in addition to the meatballs and all of those things? And I was at my bridal shower. My best friend had made deviled eggs, which I love. And that was really the last non-plant-based, that last meat or animal product food that I really ate intentionally. But the in the moment decision was we went out after my bridal shower, after all the guests left to the the back field, because there were, there were some cows out there and one of the cows had had a calf and it was just a few days old. And I was like, I'm not eating them anymore. I'm done. And it was after eight months of eating plant-based and eating more plants, really, that was the pivotal moment when I was like, 
that's the baby that I would eat. I'm, I'm not doing that anymore. And then it was like, oh my gosh, I'm a vegan. I mean, I remember that we were driving from this shower to my mom's and I remember saying to her, I think I'm vegan now. Like, I don't, I don't want to eat cows. And she's like, we're going to your house. What are you going to eat tonight? I was like, potatoes. I don't really know. Ah, ah, That's so funny. (laughs) And so what, what did your family think about this, this uh, turnaround? I mean, they've always been supportive in anything that I wanted to do. I don't know. I mean, I wonder if they thought it would be a little phase that I was going through. I mean, I was in my, I was in my thirties. Like this wasn't like I was a teenager. Like I was in my thirties and we didn't live close. We were about three hours away. So it's not like something where we had Sunday dinner every, every week that they had to modify for me. I think maybe they thought it was a phase. I think maybe they thought I'd grow out of it. I think, or maybe I'd come to my senses. I put that in quotes, but I think the realization came when I started saying things like, mom, you guys really need to watch forks over knives, or you need to read this book, or you need to And I started citing the sources and I think they finally realized, wow, I think she's serious. And then I started veginspire.com, which is my lifestyle blog. And I was like, I think then they were like, I think she's really serious. And I always joke that you go through phases of plant-based eating. You're like in that absorption phase where you're obsessed with it and you want to just read every bit of, I mean, I guess it's like that with any topic, but like in plant-based eating, especially like you're pinning all the recipes, you're on every blog, you're, you're on every Instagram, you're following all these people, you're watching every documentary. And then you become this like wealth of knowledge and you just want to spew it at all the people. And they're like, Whoa, back up. Right. They're having the same feelings I was having. I'm not giving up all my things. And I think, you know, my parents were so supportive and listened to me rant on about the medical industry and like the pharmacy, like all these things and all this information I was uncovering and they supported me. I mean, I remember for our first Thanksgiving, we ate with them. We brought all of the plant-based side dishes. So the mashed potatoes made with vegan butter and, you know, not with the heavy cream, but with an almond milk and the stuffing made with, you know, vegan products and green bean, like we made everything. And they deep fried their turkey outside out of respect. And I was like, this is the kind of support. Like, this is what I hope for families in the future. Hang that on, have hang on. you got to stop there. They deep fried a turkey? What? Yeah. So apparently that's that a thing. That's a thing. And Jesus you basically, Christ. yeah, really? you heat it up and you drop the turkey in, but it has to be thawed because otherwise it like explodes out again. I'm, I'm not really giving cooking tips on turkeys cause I never did it myself, but yeah, they deep fried it in Western New York in December, in November, which is like, it was cold. Okay. When we finish this conversation, I'm going to Google how to deep fry. I've never heard of that. That's insane. Anyway. Yeah. So how did you, how did your health change? I mean, this was a gradual change, right? But did you notice a difference in your well-being after you stopped eating uh, animal-based products? I did. This is really noticeable. I'm talking eight years ago, so it's it's harder now to notice as much. Um, and we can talk a little bit about my transition from veganism to more of this whole food plant-based way of eating that I'm eating now. But early on, I noticed my skin cleared up. 
Um, I had, I had some adult acne and it just couldn't, I could never get it to clear up. And then I stopped eating dairy and eggs. And then I read an article about the clear skin diet, which is eating no, you know, not eating dairy and these highly inflammatory and like processed foods. And so my skin cleared up. And then I also remember telling somebody, I just feel lighter. Like I couldn't explain couldn't really explain it, but she said, and I'll never forget. She was like, well, if you think about it, you're not eating meat, which takes such a long time to digest in your digestive system. And I was like, oh, well now that makes more sense. And so I just felt this overall lightness. And early on, I mean, we were, we were plant-based, but we ate vegan products. We, I mean, when we started eating plant-based or vegan eight years ago, there wasn't nearly as many vegan options on the market as there are now. I mean, now you can get every type of vegan cheese. In fact, I just saw somebody's launching a vegan blue cheese crumble. And I was like, we might need to try that. Um, every <laughs> type of vegan burger, vegan sausage. I mean, there it's are insane, just, isn't it? it's nuts. So, yeah, but a lot of that is highly processed. And that was something that we fell into was, you know, we're, I had this huge in, you know, increase in energy and all of that switching from standard American eating to this more plant centered vegan diet. And then the longer I ate the vegan foods, the more my energy level kind of leveled off. And I started to realize that I wasn't eating enough of the whole plant foods. I wasn't eating enough fresh vegetables. I wasn't eating enough salads with lots of colorful meals. And those are really the meals that make me happy, right? The meals that are full of the rainbow colors, the smoothies that are bright colored, the sauces that just have this vibrance and this zest. And I started to realize over the last, especially about three years ago that I was just, I was just kind of I call it like status quo. Like you're just kind of wandering, dabbling along and I needed a change. And that's when I really started to increase the whole plant foods and reduce the processed foods. And that's the change that I noticed the most. Okay. That's when I really started to see an increase in energy. I lost a bunch of weight and I've been able to maintain it. I have, you know, I recover faster from hikes and walks that we take and, you know, we're out exploring national parks. So a lot of that, you know, might be back to back hiking. And so I needed that recovery. I needed that overall energy. I also started to see some of the signs of maybe pre-diabetes and just this overall, just, I'm not going to say I was sickly because I wouldn't have said I was sickly, but I was just, I was just existing and eating more of these whole fresh foods, these salads made of spinach and tomatoes and cucumbers and peppers and broccoli sprouts and all of these high energizing, high antioxidant foods just really added this extra vibrance and rejuvenation to my overall weight, wellness and health. Mm. And how did it impact your hormonal health? Because you talked about your, your skin and clearing up which is often a hormonal thing. Did you notice um, uh, changes in your cycle and your periods and that kind of thing as well? So one of the big things that I noticed, and I honestly didn't, I, I didn't notice it until after I really started to think about it and track it is I had pretty intense PMS symptoms, really bad cramps. I mean, I would live on Advil 
for seven days before my cycle and then throughout my cycle. And I didn't realize the difference until I stopped taking the Advil. I stopped taking that and I started using more of a holistic approach. I would drink ginger tea. And one of the things, and I don't know if there's science that backs this up, it might be all in my head, but I now make it an intention to eat spinach the week leading up to my cycle because when I don't, those cramps are seem worse. When I eat those highly processed foods, it's like all of the inflammation and everything just comes back. And when I'm eating whole plant foods, everything's very predictable in a good way, right? I want to know when my cycle's coming. I want to know what I, when I'm going to feel at my best and, and I might need to take an extra day. You know, you just start to learn your body. And I, I just, I really love that it gives me this more neutral predictability. Um, and I find that food can, can help change my mood, right? The ginger tea helps to reduce the cramping. The spinach helps to provide that. I don't, I think it's the vitamin K and like the iron, cause you're losing all of that during, um, you know, during the, the cycle. And so it really allows your body to get that back ahead of time to, to make you feel better in the moment. I, th- I think there is no doubt that inflammatory foods and processed foods, once you take them out of your diet, all sorts of menstrual related stuff improves. P- um, emotional, so PMT, also period pain, um, and all sorts of conditions are improved. But what, one of the things I'm really curious about, and I think can be difficult talking about when we're talking about um, hormonal balance is getting enough protein with a vegan diet. How do you manage that? That is definitely one of those things that we, you know, we, it's the common question. And I really like to, you know, look at all the foods as a whole and really where can I get the most bang for my buck? as far as protein. And I I really lean into the plant-based doctors. Um, I don't know if you've read the book breasts by Christy Funk. Um, it's really, really great. It's breasts, the owner's manual, and, um, it's a really great book. And it really talks about how to have, you know, health for women. And specifically, she talks a lot about these lifestyle changes, and one of the things that surprises me the most, and probably the myth that gets busted the most with a plant-based diet is the, the, the whole conversation about soy. Oh yeah. Soy. Soy. Come on. Hit me. (laughs) So soy is, is a different type of phytoestrogen and it actually can help reduce breast cancer, reduce the symptoms of, you know, menopause and perimenopause because of its protein and phytoestrogen level. But one of the things that they do mention is using less processed soy. So using the edamame beans. So that's a great way to get extra protein on your salad, throw some edamame beans on there, high in protein, high in those phytoestrogens that help to really, you know, block the, the diseases and 
block those disease causing estrogens that are produced by your body by having these phytoestrogens and then things like tempeh, which are ferment, which is a fermented soy product. So I love to make my tempeh into, um, tempeh bacon and make BLAT, BLT sandwiches. So tempeh bacon, lettuce, and tomato. I love that. Um, and then really I like to look into, so broccoli is extremely high in protein for its quantity. So I always tell people like the benefits of cruciferous vegetables, which are, you know, cancer fight, have cancer fighting properties, toss that in a stir fry with some tempeh and you've got like this power packed meal that tastes delicious and it's all plant-centered you've made me so happy I know I mean I'm such a fan I think the broccoli will save the world <laughs> I want to take with my favorite authors I want to take them plates of broccoli just to make sure that they stay well and they keep writing this stuff and they eat this stuff you know keep writing come on be alive but to, uh, to learn that it also has protein in it I'm just I'm that's a complete joy for me to hear. Thank you so much for that. Well, good. Yeah. Broccoli's really, I mean, it's, it's surprising sometimes the things that are higher in protein. And a lot of times we don't know it because that's not really what's pushed. There's no broccoli. There's no broccoli foundation pushing the benefits of broccoli. Right. So, um, but a lot of people will say, well, I don't love broccoli and I'm like, okay, try broccoli sprouts. You can usually get them in the grocery produce section and they're oh, not you see I have tried I I'm a big fan of sprouts and I, I I've sprouted all sorts of things and I eat a lot of sprouts but broccoli sprouts oh my god the smell they really it's I, I couldn't do it and I'm I'm hard ass you know with that kind of thing <laughs> but I just couldn't cope so yeah they do have a smell mm. that is a warning but if you don't love broccoli just put them on your put them on your salad eat them real quick call it a day <laughs> so they, they have that very um how do you say they're very they have a dense nu nutrient value don't they the sprouts more dense than the plant so you don't have to eat so many right right yeah. you only need i think i think they say like between two tablespoons and a fourth of a cup like you only need like a pinch mm. yeah i think i'm going to stick with the broccoli though although i, am I do love broccoli yeah me too i'm going to talk to a, a sprouting maven quite soon. So I'll ask, I'll ask her about that. And what else do I want to know? So tell me, give me your, your sort of top three hit list for hormone balance. We've got the broccoli and the, the tempeh and the, I can never, I can never say it. Edamame. Edamame. Yeah. Edamame. So you've got, so you've got your broccoli. So that's, that's good. The fermented soy. So like mm -hmm. the tempeh and then soy beans in their, in their most whole form. That's not to say that tofu's not going to help, but, you know, maybe sprinkle it, switch between tofu and tempeh. And then the other thing that's really, really beneficial, well, there's two. So I'm going to give you guys a bonus. Ooh. One are unrefined whole grains. Think old fashioned oats, steel cut oats. Um, some of those ancient grains like farro, barley. I know you're probably thinking like, when am I going to eat barley? But maybe do a barley soup. Uh, maybe cook it into, add it to your chili. So kind of think about ways that you can get these health benefits without having to eat like a spoonful of barley. You might throw it in your chili and just let it simmer until it cooks. And that can add that meaty texture to the chili. 
And then the other benefit, which I, I love, and this is also a, an ener- energizing foods are berries. So high antioxidants really helps with those, you know, fighting the cancer growth cells and all of that also adds that natural sugar, but berries also are really great for energy. So if you feel that slump in the afternoon, you know, when we're going for tea or coffee or the vending machine, just pack some berries, let berries fuel the rest of your day. Thank you very much. And it's those are things that are quite easy to have in your store cupboard and in your freezer. And best of all, they're not that expensive. You know, they're not I mean, a lot of um, with food gets very fashionable and there's the latest superfood and it grows in Chile or Chile or I don't know somewhere like a gazillion miles and then there's all the air miles and all the plastic and all it's like and then it you know it costs like 20 quid for 100 grams and you're thinking that's mad there are nettles do you have nettles right around you um I've I've had them I think Uh, at a restaurant but I don't know that I don't know that they I don't know that they're plentiful in like our okay. local farm. Well, here they're, they're like they're like weeds. They grow everywhere. They're, you know they sting you in the thing, but they have an amazing nutritious value. So it always makes me laugh that we sort of prefer to go and spend the, or at least long to or aspire to buy the you know the the fancy grocery from from Costa Rica rather than eat the actual nutritious food that is sort of knocking on our <laughs> knocking on our door literally knocking on your door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, where are we? Um, what else? What else did I want to know? Hmm. I have to edit this bit out. I've run out. I've, I can't, I can't think of where, where my questions have gone. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. I wanted, I want, one of the things that I really enjoyed about your website was talking about creating habits creating good habits and you were talking about meal planning now if there's one thing actually it's very close to hanging up and taking down laundry there's one thing I really hate it's meal planning and it makes my life so much easier and uh cheaper and uh stress-free when I've done it but oh I'm like a teenager I hate doing it. I hate meal planning. How do, how can I do that in a way that is more pleasurable other than don't say get over yourself? <laughs> I mean, I wish that was as easy as it is, right? Just, just get over yourself and push through. But <laughs> I, I mean, you listed all of the benefits of meal planning. So when we know the benefits, we have to look at how it, how it makes us feel too. And one of the things that I teach as far as meal planning is look at your calendar. How can you fit in certain meals in the box of time that support your regular schedule? So if your daughter needs to go, you said you had a teenage daughter, right? Uh So if your daughter has an activity every Tuesday that has to mean she has to be out of the house by 5 p.m., so dinner has to be on the table by 4.30, how can you plan that in so that it's not this last minute, oh my gosh, I'm going to the table. But also I teach meal routines and this is a really great way to plan like a month at a time. So (gasps) you can, I know. Oh God. 
but it's so... I have to go now. That was a nice it's conversation. Bye. So easy. It's easy. so easy. It is. Really? Yes. Okay. So let's say you okay. love stew. So mm-hmm. every Sunday you're going to make a stew and you're going to find four stew recipes that you and your family like. Mm-hmm. You're going to rotate them through. Okay. Let's say Mondays you opt for like a meatless meal, or I don't remember. Somebody had a really good one and I can't remember Mexican Monday or whatever. To, okay. You know, mm-hmm. I like taco Tuesday personally. You <laughs> rotate through, maybe you do enchiladas, maybe you do burrito bowls. Tuesdays you do four different tacos. Okay. So you're always keeping it with the same theme. Mm, so there's a, so you know, it's, so it gives, it gives you the structure, okay. but you can rotate the recipe. So one week you might do mushroom tacos and the next week you might do yeah. broccoli tacos or whatever. Mm. <laughs> you see, I like that, but that is exactly what my partner suggested the other week. And I made a nasty face and I told him to go stick it up his so uh, we, <laughs> I have to introduce that very quietly. <laughs> He's going to be like, I listened to your podcast and I heard that Kathy Davis said. No, that I do don't this. think we're in any danger of him listening to this. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I think but I think, I think that's a really good idea. And it's one of the things that I know really works for me is to put in, to create um, sort of healthful, easy habits is to put in structure so that I don't have to think so much because it's it's not the difficulty with the meal planning is the uh is the mental athletics about who's cooking because my kids cook and my partner cooks so they have to cook things they like and everybody's out at different times and you know it's quite a complicated equation so to reduce the options path of least resistance people take the path of least resistance if you love their vegetables and those if you love certain recipes make those more frequently take the guesswork out yeah absolutely Mm. so what did you do for work before you were um a plant-based what do you call it a plant-based coach or a plant-based lifestyle coach yeah what did you do before that well, I'm a, by trade, I'm a teacher. Okay. So I was, a, I was an elementary school teacher. And then between teaching and we travel full-time in an RV, which is one of the fun facts. Um, and so obviously I couldn't take necessarily somebody else's business on the road. So I started, you know, really pushing forward with veg inspired content, which is recipes and lifestyle Um, before all of that, I was a marketing manager for a small company. So I've done a lot of, a lot of the business things, a lot of business administration type office work. So I just kind of married my love of education, my love of plant-based into my new knowledge of business and created veg inspired and all the things that support it. And you have, you have lots of great resources uh, for people on your website. Can you, t- can you talk us through some of those? Because, you know, you, you can hear how desperate I am for structure and help. I'm a pitiful wailing across the Atlantic. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so on veginspire.com, there are lots of recipes, all, all stemming from our journey through plant-based eating. So we start out with a lot of vegan recipes, veganizing our favorites, and then moving into more of the recent ones uh, are more supportive of that whole plant-based 
way of eating. So on there is one of my favorite taco recipes, which are taco El Pastor, and they're made with chickpeas, onions, and pineapple that you roast, and then you toss them in a delicious seasoning blend and uh, some liquid aminos and lime juice to get that mm taco-y flavor. And then you serve them on tortillas. So they're a fun taco that's on there. Um, and then I also dip into some of the lifestyle. So pantry resources, um, dining out potlucks, things of that nature, um, really just supporting people along their journey. Oh, fantastic. I think I'm going to go, go back with a, with a clearer head and a better plan and try and nail that pesky that pesky meal plan meal plan the other, the other thing I noticed that you were talking about was being oil free and that that really surprised me can you say yes. that of course uh so we are oil free uh, and really it stems from that positioning on the whole plant food so that's not to say that I don't eat the avocados or the olives or the flax or walnut or other nuts and seeds I really choose the whole food version, whereas oil has been, it's basically the fat extracted from the, the source. And I, I choose, right. I choose to eat the whole food option. So the avocado that still has the fiber and all the nutrients intact, the olives versus the oil. And I, you know, I lean a lot, like I said before, into the plant-based doctor's research. And there are so many health benefits to eating the whole food versus the oil, not to mention the weight management strat, you know, that it's a weight management strategy. And for me, it really was about the, you know, you know, I don't count calories, but knowing the caloric density of oil and how little, little you eat for how much calories it really becomes. And then still being so full, right. You eating all these, these foods that are roasted and cooked with a little bit of oil, but it's high calorie and you're still, you're not, you're not, it's not filling you up, but you've eaten all these cal empty calories basically. And so for me, I just try the, my best to choose the, the whole food option whenever possible. Mm. Mm, thank you. Now, I, I want to know about your adventures in your RV. So I how, love how, did, how, did, how did that come about? Uh, so for us, it was just like an idea planted about four years ago. And we started to look, my husband and I, we started to really look at what would life be like on the road? What options would we have? Can we work? And you know, things kind of fall into place in your life. Some things are circumstances you wish didn't happen that teach you things and other things are circumstances that, that really kind of lay the path and, and show you what you're doing or what you can do and what's possible. And for us, RV life just kind of was one of those pathways that looked possible. And we didn't know, you know, when we put our house on the market and bought the RV and then traded in our two little SUVs for a big truck to pull the RV, you know, we didn't know what it would turn out to be. And actually on the day of recording today, we are celebrating our three year nomad anniversary. So we actually moved into the <laughs> RV three years ago with Aww. our cats, all our stuff locked the door for the final time on our, on our house and had it prepared to sell. And it was just 
we've been to so many amazing places. You know, we have a goal to visit all the national, all the U S national parks. And we've just, it's just amazing to travel the country and feel so free, but still be able to be plugged in via internet. I mean, we're here, we are, I'm in the middle of Georgia and you're, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't even ask where you were at the moment. <laughs> yes. So we're in the middle of Georgia heading to Florida for the winter because we're oh, birds now chase flip-flop weather. <laughs> so. Very sensible. Oh, wow. So what, what's your favorite place that you've been to? So, so far, our favorite place is Montana. We just, um, we're actually completing the loop. Um, we've the last two winters or the first two winters we stayed in Florida and last winter we actually explored to Texas and then took ourselves out through the West, went up through Utah, Idaho, Wyoming, and then into Montana and spent a month exploring Montana and the, just the beauty the vast open spaces, the wildlife, the people, I mean, it really was incredible. And we've, we definitely want to go back to Montana, uh, but they have winter there and oh. we do, we do not winter very well in non flip-flop weather. So we are headed to Florida and, um, but there's so many beautiful places. I mean, big bend national park this is one of those often missed national parks and it was incredible. Um, and we've just seen so many neat, like I said, so many neat places that a lot of people don't get the opportunity to see, or those really high trafficked national parks. A lot of times the lower trafficked ones, you know, have so many incredible views and scenery and just a unique aspect that you might not see if you didn't get out and look for it. Yeah. Oh. That sounds wonderful. And yeah, what's the point in, in going all that way to a national park to find to find wild nature? And then there's a load of other people there in the way <laughs> taking photographs. Yes. It's like, hmm, <laughs> that wasn't what I signed up for. Yes, the high traffic national parks are definitely busy. I, you know, Glacier was very, very busy. Glacier National Park, Yellowstone was very, very busy. Bryce Canyon, very busy. But then places like Big Bend, I mean, no problem parking, hardly any people on the walks. Mm -hmm. uh, White Sands, when we went, that wasn't very busy. So I think it just depends both on the time of the year and which parks you choose. Mm -hmm. mm, thank you. Well, thank you, Kathy, so much for sharing your knowledge and your passion actually that that's the thing that I'm most fired up by this kind of combination of passion and excitement and practicality <laughs> you know one without the other is just a bit of a hmm. <laughs> it's a bit useless but you have both and you I can really um hear and appreciate the teacher in you and that you explain things so clearly and beautifully and with, with, so, with such passion. Thank you so much. And, and of course, I'm really gripped by your, your travels. <laughs> I might have to wait, wait a little while, but before you go, could you give us your top tip for a happy inside life, please? It might be plant-based or it might be something altogether different. It's up to you. Well, my top tip is really to be present in the moment. You know, a lot of times we get so caught up in, you know, worrying about what's next or worrying about whatever. And we miss the in the moment part of life and life is short. 
So whether that's embracing a plant-based lifestyle, whether that's embracing travel, whether it's writing a book or starting a blog or whatever it is, you know, embrace the in the moment choice that you can make and enjoy it and enjoy the journey. You know, so many people feel like if they're, if they take a step towards something and they fail, they can't keep going. And I mean, if I had given up plant-based eating, it would have been over eight years ago when I still wanted to eat that blue cheese or that Buffalo wing, or if I had, you know, not taken the risk to travel the country full time, I might still be doing the nine to five fog that I was doing before. And so I always tell people like to make that inside, you know, to fill your heart, to fill your cup, enjoy the moment, enjoy the journey, enjoy the process. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for chatting Hmm. You feeling peckish? I'm feeling pretty hungry now. <laughs> if you need ever need inspiration about what to cook, go to Kathy's Facebook page where she has loads of brilliant videos. And that is if once you're on Facebook, search for Veg Inspired. And her website is the same name, veginspired.com. And that's why that's where you'll find all her recipe books and stuff. And there's loads of information there. And you spell that V-E-G-I-N-S-P-I-R-E-D.com. Loads of stuff there. And the book she mentioned is Breasts, an Owner's Manual, which is a fantastic book. And it's by Christy Funk. I mean, what a name. I, I wish that I was Christy Funk. Maybe I should be Kate Funk. Mm. Anyway, it's um, Christy, K-R-I-S-T-I. And Funk, like James Brown, Godfather of Soul, Funk hop over to Instagram. I would love to hear what you're eating to manage your hormone balance and what is easy and pleasing and pleasurable for you to eat that is helpful and nourishing too. You can find me at Kate underscore Codrington. And extra points for you, polish your halo if you're into sprouting because very soon sprouting maven Sally H. Duffel, who's a fabulous person, she's funny, she's a comedian, she she's a nutritionist she totally knows her stuff she knows everything about sprouting and menopause and she's the author of grow your own hrt and she's going to come and talk to me to share all the juice on the springy nourishing phytoestrogenic bombs of love very soon so look forward to seeing you then bye